I think his opening line was, so what the hell are you actually up to? And then he, then he went into the part about, <laughs> you know, so his background. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So it, it was pretty great though, because you know, the, the boathouse is kind of my, uh, right. my sanity saver. And so, you know, throughout the course of the year, I'll have friends over. Sometimes we'll do like little salons, if you will, where people just come over and we'll just shoot the shit about That's certain cool. things. And so whenever I get involved with something, and in this case, it was these blends I was doing, I create brands for them, even if they only live inside this four wall space. And so I had had so much fun with some of the different people and clients from around the country tasting it that when I posted it on Facebook and Martin saw it with the the labeling and all this stuff and the backstory behind the name, he reached out and, you know, we've been doing stuff ever since. Martians landed. Yes. Wearing Prada suits. Yes. Drinking Henry Seltzer. Yes. Chewing juicy fruit. Yes. And your branding here. Yes, brand. Your message here. Yes. And a verse about. Yes. Your product here. Yes. I'm Hirsch Redman. Yes. And I'm a message therapist. Yes. And I have a podcast. Yes, brand. That's right. That's it. Yes. We'll help you fix the world. Yes. Or your bottom line. All right. Your bottom line. Get it. I get it. Welcome to the Yes Brand Podcast. My guests today are Martin Pisani and Kerry Shaw Brown, the co-founders and co-CEOs of Unbound Spirits. It's a new bourbon brand. I am on the waiting list to receive an initial batch. I don't know. We'll talk about when this is coming out. It's kind of selfish of me to like immediately go to when it's coming out <laughs> and when I'm going to taste it. But Martin, who has been on my other podcast, Truth Tastes Funny, is one of the most broadly experienced executives in the spirits and wine business. He began his career in 1979 at Hubline, which has now become Diageo, has an entire career outside of that as a best-selling author, as an outdoorsman, as a branding executive. So we're going to get some interesting background there. And Carrie Shaw Brown is a film director, and he started as a senior VP and creative director at Campbell Ewald, working on the Chevy account. He's recently shot for Honda, uh, for Volvo, for HP, but also for brands like Maker's Mark. So there's a lot of crossover here, but a lot of really interesting story points that we can touch on. And we're going to talk about this new brand, Unbound Spirits. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thank Hirsch. you. Good to be with you again. Yeah, great to be here. Whichever one of you wants to go first, tell, tell our audience about Unbound Spirits and where things are at and where it, where it came from. Go ahead, Kerry, take it. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> roughly about five years ago, I had finished a long project that I was shooting, and it was beginning of April, and just like it is now, it was snowy and cold and muddy out, and I got home and I had about a month off. And one of the things I wanted to do was treat myself to a couple of nice bourbons that you know, I, I felt I had earned during this long, month-long adventure. And when I went to a number of the places I would normally go to, they were completely out of almost all of the, the higher-end brands that I really liked. And so I started looking around, and I kept finding that same thing everywhere I went. And so I ended up calling a friend of ours from Rocktown Distillery, 
uh, Phil Brandon down in Little Rock, who has some amazing bourbons. And I said, what's going on? I know you guys have won some awards and stuff. He said, yeah, it's, there's a big boom in the Asian market that has been pulling a lot of the premium brands from the U.S. over there. And so basically I was out of luck. And so one day, about three days later in my, my boredom, I decided to do something that I thought about for quite a while, but hadn't actually like committed to doing it. And so I started researching bourbons and a lot of different bourbon profiles and mash bills and things I liked. And I went out and I bought about 25 different bottles that were more like lower mid-price bottles and things. And I started doing blending using an eyedropper and a little Glen Cairn glass and writing down what I was doing and all this stuff. And finally came on a couple of different combinations of things that leaned more towards a weeded bourbon that ended up being really good. So I made a batch and I casked it in a brand new small oak barrel and I set it out and let it do its thing for about a month. And then I, I had remembered that when I had done work for some of the other distilleries that, you know, one of them in particular, once a month or so, they would roll their barrels or at least turn them just to get a little sloshing yeah. going on and contact with the oak. And then also you had a brand like Jefferson's who did Jefferson's Ocean that would take some casks and put it on big ocean liners and set it off to sea. Well, I have where I'm sitting right now is my 120-year-old boathouse. And on the bottom level of it, it has an open slip right open to the kind of the southwest where it gets a lot of waves. So I actually rigged up pulleys and all this stuff, put this cask in a floating cooler suspended in here where it just got the living crap kicked out of it for three more months. And when I finally pulled it out, it was absolutely amazing. And I ended up having four of my best bourbon buddies over who are really bourbon freaks. And I did a blind taste test between two um, real kind of super premium bourbons and mine. And they ended up all picking the blend that I had put together. And they were kind of naming off some things they really liked about it, tasting profiles, character. And so, you know, a hobby became an avocation. And now it's become a bit of a profession. And this is how this stuff happens. Like, I don't know that that would happen without the winter, without the, you know, the cabin feel, without the boathouse. It's like th these things don't get developed you know, it's, I mean, unless you were doing a rum, if you were making you a know, rum. Yeah. Hirsch, <laughs> let, let me ask you, let, yeah. me add, let me add a dimension to this is that Carrie is kind of a mad scientist when it comes to this. He talks about mixing with an eyedropper. He's been doing this for a really long time and uh, has, has created some, some really magnificent blends. But then what really takes it over the top is this the boat rocking piece, which we've now, I think we've, I don't want to say perfected, but we've taken to a new level. And as you know, Unbound Spirits is about to launch our first bourbon. It's called the Maelstrom. And if you know the story of what a Maelstrom is, it's a, you know, a giant whirlpool storm off the coast of Norway that creates obviously a lot of wave action and so, you know, carries Swallow ships whole, makes people disappear, all sorts of good stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, they, they, we'll get into the branding piece of that, I'm sure. But there's an incredible amount of mystery and imagery and and history and lore that comes with the concept of the maelstrom that really is really very appealing. Um, so it, it, he, he and I crossed paths a, a few years back, and he did a he he did a Facebook post about this batch that he had done and some of the designs he had done. And I, I called up and I said, you know, Carrie, I got like 35 years experience in this business. And without, you know, without bullshitting you, I, I, these brands are incredible. I, I think I have a really good feel for a brand that is distinctive, differentiated, has a lot of authenticity and story to it. And I've worked on plenty of misses that don't have any of this. And some of this stuff was, you know, Hubline slash Diageo brands that, you know, we launched with millions of dollars. It didn't have a, a, a trace of the depth. I think the, I think his first I think his opening it. line was I think his opening line was so what the hell are you actually up to? And then he then he went into the part about <laughs> you know so his background. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, so it it was pretty great though because you know the the boathouse is kind of my uh, right. my sanity saver, and so you know throughout the course of the year I'll have friends over or sometimes we'll do like little salons if you will where people just come over and we'll just shoot the shit about certain things and so whenever i get involved with something and in this case it was these blends i was doing i create brands for them even if they only live inside this four wall space and so i had had so much fun with some of the different people and clients from around the country tasting it that when i posted it on facebook and martin saw it with the the labeling and all this stuff and this backstory behind the name. He reached out and, you know, we've been doing stuff ever since. And that was probably two and a half years ago, three years ago. It was a while back. And, you know, it, it, it's it's just such a wonderful, uh, authentically, I mean, what Carrie did was for the love of bourbon. It wasn't like I want to create a company. <laughs> and it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't until I said, you know, there's... There's something here. We would be foolish not to, to figure out a way to scale this and, and because I see a, a, a huge opportunity. And we'll talk about some of the other brands. Right now, Maelstrom is our first because that's, uh, that's coming out as we speak. It's, uh, you know, it's in the kegs and being bottled and it'll, it'll hit the shelves in December. But we've got three other equally interesting brands, one after the other right after that, that create the entirety of the Unbound Spirits portfolio. And... There's, there's, I, I, I've worked on hundreds of brands, Hirsch, and uh, I, I have rarely been as excited about these brands, about anything that I am about these brands. They're really great. I long ago, I mean, we're talking back in the, you know, you mentioned 1979. That's when I went to Hubline. I in, in my, I was the one of the marketing guys there, and ultimately the the CMO. But when I was a middling marketing director. In my portfolio was a brand called Yukon Jack. Yukon <laughs> yeah, Jack, a lot of people remember as kind of yeah. really high-proof Canadian whiskey. It was kind of on the sweet side. But the great thing about Yukon Jack was uh, the imagery. Uh, it, some, some of your older listeners may remember it was a, a guy in a giant fur coat, fur hat, wandering through the Arctic of Alaska in a solitary way, very much like uh, Call of the Wild. We used... Robert Service, the poet, Robert Service's poetry as the ad copy. 
and the, the lone character was all over the label. And it was an incredible brand. It really, it was one of those brands where I wish I had it now because in, in the context of a Hubline Diageo portfolio, it was like the 35th priority brand. Sure. But those are the brands that are the most interesting to work on. You know, the brands that have these great stories. And, and truthfully, Yukon Jack, as great as it was, it wasn't as authentic as what we're doing now. It was basically mediocre Canadian whiskey in a bottle and, and, and put out on the shelf at 110 proof to give it some kick. Great brand, great story, but you know, there's not a backstory beyond marketing piece. This, these, these things we're putting here not only have the backstory of, of Kerry and now you'll see some of our other brands. These things, there's incredible depth and there's incredible stories that, that go with these brands that are, are authentic and natural. And that's what the exciting thing is. And I think they fit the bourbon category so well because the typical upscale bourbon drinker, and these are premium, super premium bourbons, the typical consumer that we're after is a person after that kind of authenticity and small batch nature and exclusivity and, and, and the, the depth of stories are very important to them. Our, our initial launch, and we can talk about that forever, it's, been, it's blowing our minds because uh, yeah. we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're issuing our first batch and we made some product reservable through our website. And um, we got a, a PR hit from WBAY in Green Bay uh, about, and we'll talk about that too, but we sold out our entire first year supply in one night. And it was, <laughs> it was really, it was mind blowing. And we're still just kind of like trying to keep up with the demand for people writing us notes. When is my bourbon going to arrive? When is it going to be ready? Forget that. I want my t-shirt. I um, you know, it's all the, the we, I've, I've never seen such instant consumer magnetism for a brand. It's, it's remarkable. And so we're well, real yeah, and we even had uh, we even had that one guy drive four hours, five hours to come down and try to get a taste of right out of the cask. And of course, I obliged him. But I mean, that oh, was, wow. you know, it's one of those things where each of the the blends that I've done, they were all done with a different part of my soul and a backstory of a mood I wanted to be in when I drank that one. And there was a reason why that I did the character of it and the profile a certain way, because it, it reflected a mood and the maelstrom is one of it's of adventure. It's seeking out, you know, new places, new explorations. Um, it's like dreaming of the next quest. And that's kind of the idea behind it. So it's a very complex thing, but it's also got a little bit, um, a little bit of, it doesn't burn, but it's got some good warmth to it that you like in a bourbon. And so each one of them has kind of a different idea of, the mood you're in when you pick it up and drink it. The way you the way you say that, Carrie, is important because what both of you guys have pointed out, and this is why I, I was so excited to have you on this show, which is that the 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 excitement that comes from the soul, the excitement that comes from just a, it, it, wanting to sh the reason you make up brands for the things you're doing. It, it's almost like a little kid you know, writing, drawing yeah. movie posters, you know, yeah. for fa for movies that you don't expect to make necessarily. But this is what I want my listeners to be in touch with, because my listeners are, you know, it's not that they're just bourbon lovers or they probably are bourbon lovers. There's CEOs, there are founders, there's the next generation of uh, of entrepreneurs and founders. And 
I want people to trust their gut and trust their passions because there's a lot of distractions out there and there's a lot of a lot of everybody chasing the tail, you know, kind of trying to figure out what's the what's the hot new thing. Like people will say, oh, authenticity is hot now. Like you can go buy a lump of authenticity at the deli and you know, right, you know right. slice it and put it on your salad. It doesn't work that way, you know. So let's talk a little bit about um, in general, go, going back to the world of, of branding and the world of advertising. Now you're bringing this new product out there. There's excitement. There's buzz. But what do you think you're up against like what's what else is going out there is going on out there in the bourbon category? What's it looking like out there right now? You know, there's a huge there's been a huge explosion in the bourbon world as well as whiskeys in general. And Irish whiskeys are coming in, and we've got a Irish whiskey blend as well. So I mean, on one hand, it's a great time because there's so much great interest, and people are seeking out new new flavors, new brands, and just new experiences in general. On the other hand, there's a lot of a lot of different competition out there, and Martin, having been in this business for a long time in different categories, really understands kind of how that comes into play. So, it's been an interesting bit of learning for me through through Martin and some of the other people we interact with. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting branding situation. I think back to the point we were just talking about. I always would ask students like, um, would you, do you have enough passion in your soul that you would be doing what you want to do for a living, even if you couldn't make money at it? And in this case, I was, I was making yeah. this, doing these blends and all this. And I think, so that's something that takes on a life of its own and actually helps us develop a brand that is kind of rooted in a lot of different stuff. And the more we get into it, the more we even discover about it that was maybe in the back of our minds but we weren't conscious of it yet so it's a lot of a lot of interesting offshoots and side notes too well in terms of risk taking let's talk about that for a second because that's kind of tantamount to the whole experience you're launching something there aren't any guarantees you're putting a certain amount of time and resources into something martin what are what are your thoughts on the risk taking element of this venture? Well, obviously new things are incredibly risky, right? Compared to maintaining or, you know, maintenance brands. But I think we've taken some really good steps to minimize those risks. And, and both Carrie and I, I think part of why we're so in love with these brands is that part of our own souls are in this same adventurous spirit. We, we, instinctively feel these brands because we are risk takers ourselves, both in our professional lives and in our personal lives. We both have hobbies that, that involve a great deal of risk. So when we look at a business venture like this, you know, I like to joke sometimes, we're, nobody's going to get killed introducing a new brand, introducing a new brand of bourbon. And, and that takes care about that takes care about ninety five percent of the risk in the world. So the, the rest of it is, you know, uh, it's financial risk and it's, it's it's using our time well. But um, yeah, obviously risky. There's a lot of blocking and tackling that has to take place. There's a lot of shoe leather we've got to apply at this. But uh, we we know how to do this, and so that there minimizes the risk. We've been down the marketing 
path many times. Um, I've worked on, again, hundreds of spirits and wine brands of all sizes, both going from the world's largest brand, Smirnoff, to introducing my own uber premium tequila with a group of, of friends that has turned it into a very viable company. So I, I just did this, what we're doing with a tequila brand. And that I think is what convinced me we can do this again with these with these four bourbons. It's it's doable. I know the path. I know the process. And yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be one of those tiny craft distillers getting off the ground, not having come to this business from a from a totally separate category and investing millions in a distillery. It's it that that's real risk. What we're doing is yeah. I think very calculated and measured and we're I think we're doing it in a way to minimize the downside if if things go bad. But I, I we're feeling really good at this. I mean seriously, there's the the consumer feedback, the trade feedback, the media feedback it's remarkable at this stage. I mean, we could probably sell 10 times what we're able to make in the first six months if we if we could scale faster. To kind of just quickly dovetail off that is, I think one of the things that made it, made the takeoff a little more smooth and focused was that we weren't creating a new whiskey, a new bourbon, a new whatever, and then trying to figure out what the brand is. These blends were actually designed with an idea in mind and a state of mind that we then bottled and are now continuing to expand on what that all means. So it, the brand and the, the product were developed at the exact same time in a way. And I think that, I think that speaks to the cumulative, which is natural at, at, at our respective ages to start to think about the cumulative value of all the things we've done, you know, all the things we've done both professionally and, and avocationally, you know, it's like, uh, whether it's the mountain climbing, Carrie, what do you do? That's what's your, do you have a sport that you engage in Martin referenced? I mean, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to enter the biathlon. The one yeah. where you cross country ski and you shoot and all this stuff. I was a big uh -huh. cross country skier. But what happened was, is like right when I was starting to train and I, wa I really wanted to go to the Olympics and I've got like a biathlon course nearby here. Nobody has a biathlon course pretty much. But what happened was, is they changed the rules of how you're allowed to ski. And I used to do a more of a classic telemark Nordic style cross country skiing. And when I tried to convert to a technique called skating, my hips and knees couldn't do it. And I was like, duh. So, but I like, I love, I love hiking, photography, uh, fly fishing. So I love being outside and, you know, exploring. Well, Kerry, yeah. what the thing that impressed me the most is last week, he took like Friday morning off. And the next thing I know, he's texting me a picture of himself with a giant buck he had just shot out in the wild somewhere. It's like we go through life. We have experience. We do our outdoors stuff. We do something as parents. It's like all these things become arrows in our quiver. And then at a certain point, there's a passion project, which I think is the, you know, especially coming out of this pandemic, the, the best way to go, you know, lead with the passion project. And it'll get you somewhere. It, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that that this that unbound spirits would really materialize, you know, if Martin right. hadn't 
seen the posts and if he hadn't approached you and if he hadn't been a real doer, you know, it might not have come together. And then, you know, it could have gone off as a kind of a fun excursion, but something else would have happened. Something would have right. it would have triggered some other thing. And uh, and I think that's the, the the goal is to create all these new things. What I was going to ask you about advertising is so you guys have both worked. I mean, extensively doesn't even doesn't even uh, uh, apply. It's beyond extensively with with agencies and with uh, with brands. So now you have and this isn't your first brand, but now you have this brand. What is your approach to advertising and marketing and scaling? Like, do you have a philosophy that you can share about that? You know, we're ad guys, so it's going to sound funny, Hirsch, but our marketing approach does not involve advertising. We are first and foremost convinced that PR is our best, biggest and best tool. And so far, it's been working really well. I, you know, I like to say when I've been in other businesses, um, let someone else do your bragging for you. If you have to boast too much about what you are, Maybe you're trying too hard. Um, I've always been a fan of brands that didn't have to advertise that too much, that got a lot of uh, coverage and a lot of word of mouth and a lot of you know viral sharing just based on the strength of the brands. You know, like for, you know, Apple didn't do, doesn't do as much advertising as you'd think, right? Because people were just so hot about their brands. Right. Amazon for years didn't advertise because people talked about the brands. And some of the hottest brands in spirits and wines don't advertise that much. It's all viral word of mouth and PR. Let other people do it. And so our first approach was, let's see what we can do from a PR standpoint. You know, and of course, we've got some social media and we've done a little bit of work there. But that's just pretty much to give you a foundation. We, one, of our, our, one of our friends reached out to a television station in Green Bay, television station called Carrie, and we wound up getting a six-minute uh, ad on WBAY about Carrie's vision and taking the whiskey off the boats and heading to the bottling line. They interviewed consumers. They interviewed the boat captains. They interviewed Carrie. And again, we sold our first year supply in one night as a result of that, as a result yeah. of that six minute peak. And that was just one city in one state. And uh, yeah, granted, Green Bay is probably going to be forever. Our, our, our base because that's our customer, you know, yeah. uh, but, but still um, it, 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 that's, that's scalable. And, yeah. um, and, you know, we know that we can take the story and it plays. We've already, we've already had a lot of feelers. In fact, the interesting thing is that story has now led to us being invited to be a, a, f a feature at the green Bay boat show in February. They want our bourbon to be featured at the boat show. I mean, no, come no. on, you you know, if we were, if I was at Hubline, I couldn't buy that. I don't think, yeah. you know. So the strength of the brand is what pulls pulls it out initially, and I, I think that's you know we both see it the same way. Instead of banging people over the head with ads, most of our brain power goes to crafting the brands so that they have this instinctive instant appeal and so far the, from our website we can tell that's true with the letters we get every day when can i get your irish whiskey when can i get the it's it's you know it, we've created something that has got real consumer demand before they've even tasted it yeah 
Well, as a as a creative, and you know, Martin, I I started in PR. PR was I was your publicist for some, for some time. But I always felt like a creative. And then what I realized was why I was asking myself, why am I not a copywriter at an agency? Why did I go a different way? And I came back to the same thing that you just said, which is I really prefer organic storytelling and earned media wherever possible so that so that someone else is we're doing the hard creative work we are you're telling a great story you're living a great story you're putting it together it's all it all rings true because it is true all that work is is serious creative work but it's not it's not buying space for someone else to vouch for you it's really getting people to hear your story and vouch for you and uh and that third party validation is what is what i've what I have done my whole career, I always talk about people I admire, give, you know, talk about people that I want to talk about and share about. And the same goes, you know, for marketing your own brand, you know, and I think that's that's a lesson that I hope people take away when they're listening to this show is that it isn't it isn't about spinning. It isn't about, you know, hard selling. It's about telling your story and living your story and letting people the right people find out about it you know and know what to say when you get those six minutes that's the you know you could have lucked into the six minute interview and sucked and just not know what to say and not have your story straight and then tell one guy one thing and one woman another thing and then you know so all the all the heavy lifting is still being done. It's just not being done by committee necessarily. And it's and as you mentioned with Diageo, you know, if you're in no, the bigger the brand, the harder it is to take a risk, quote unquote. And I think that's what challenger brands have on those brands. Like you'd say, well, what, what how can I compete? Well, you can compete because you can do whatever the fuck you want. That's how you can compete. Yeah, you know, and that, you know, that, yeah. that's true. I, I've long been a, a proponent of in, in the battle of David versus Goliath being David. I used to be Goliath and Goliath is always vulnerable to startups, to, to challenger brands. And there's always room to be nimble and risk and take more risks and to be a little more daring when you're an entrepreneur than you are when you're part of a big company that has to answer to committees and, and, and a variety of, of constituencies. It's, you know, right now it's pretty much just Carrie and I thinking up fun things to do with these brands. And we've got some other folks and, and we're starting to scale up our team too, but we're bringing people on board who kind of think like us about these brands and are willing to take those kind of entrepreneurial daring risks. You know, because the, the, the idea and the character of the brand was kind of built in from the beginning. In a way, that being the hardest part was already really solidified. So now we're having, in a lot of ways, lots of fun finding these avenues to continue letting this brand come out and be what it is. And whether it be just the details on the bottle or some of our um, our first bottle reservers and their swag package that they're going to get, it's it's been great fun. And so it's become an easy thing for us to embrace and kind of galvanize behind, which is which is kind of what all of them have a certain thing like that. Now, because of my comedy thing that always runs through my body, but I can't I don't force it like I 
sometimes people will say, oh, well, I thought we were going to be funny. I thought it was going to be funny. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, if I were doing stand-up comedy, you would have a right to think that it's going to be funny. It's going to be funny if something funny, if something strikes me as funny, you know. But as right. I think about the presentation of a story like this, and I just am wondering, what mood, what mood do you like to evoke? Because, you know, bourbon, liquor, advertising, you know, has can be very their funny advertising can work extremely well. A little bit of no pun intended for me using this word, a little bit of wry humor is also kind of works. You know, Jack Daniels, does it, they do stuff, you know, where, you know, everybody kind of walks the the line where they want to be classy and they want to be distinguished, but they also want to have a sense of humor, you know, enter like, you know, getting somebody like Jude Law to be involved in in long form you know, and then you have Matthew McConaughey and they, right. it seems like they're always walking this line between people who are funny and people who are suave. What's the vibe? If you had to envision a, uh, a, a big screen representation of, of unbound spirits, like what, what do you guys see? And we're just playing here. I guess because the, the four different um, blends that we have in our arsenal, all are different one of which can certainly be have some some humor to it and that's the irish blend which is aged is aged again in bourbon casks that gives us this this great kind of additional character to it and the name of that one is hooligan soup and it's a little bit along the lines of gangsters and people operating on the razor's edge of you know, the the way things happen during prohibition or whatever. And so that's kind of the vibe there. And a lot of it is, is got a touch of tongue and cheek to it. Whereas the Maelstrom is almost like, God, you know, Russell Crowe gladiator era, you know, in a parka. And he's like stealing himself for the next, <laughs> you know, big storm where the ship is going to sink and, you know, so that one is really anchored in historical stuff like Shackleton and, and some of those great adventurers and explorers. And then you have La Terribla, which is maybe the most finessed blend. And that one I created in kind of an homage to my great grandfather, who was a medic in World War One, And he received the Distinguished Service Cross, the Cross of France, Purple Heart. Ended up saving a couple dozen guys in July and August of 2018. And so that blend is meant to be like if you're remembering or reminiscing. It's a really super sublime sipping blend, whereas the other ones have different types of character. So that one obviously is not comedy, even though even though my <laughs> great-grandfather, along with being a medic, was a comedian in Milwaukee in the, uh, you know, 1920s. And he, and he came back from the war. He survived his wounds for about 20 years and eventually died from them. But he still was on stage and he was getting higher billing above the fold in the theater section than Charlie Chaplin was. Oh, wow. And he's funny. He's a funny medic. That's a getting, getting blinded by mustard gas. Just to correct the record, Kerry said, 
that was 2018. He meant 1918. 1918. Yo, did I say 2018? Yeah, you did. You've done that before. I heard 1918. When we were looking at these four brands, then the question became, what do we name the company? And so we were searching for the common denominator. And that's when Kerry came up with Unbound Spirits because the real... I, there, there, there are some common ethoses across them all of, you know, adventure and maybe testosterone and maybe being bold. But unbound, unbound spirits hit us as, yeah, that's kind of how we see ourselves. And all of these brands are not necessarily going to be limited by the mainstream thinking in the spirits business. We want to be unbound by convention, unbound by past practices, unbound by here's the way we think this should be made. We're trying to be innovators within a a box that for years has has not really done a lot of stuff. And I don't mean to besmirch other brands, uh, bourbons and spirits. There's lots of great brands out there. There's also a lot of boring brands. They are yeah. the opposite of unbound. They are bound. And, you know, we don't we don't see ourselves that way. We want to have unlimited possibilities here. And we, you know, we've got constant ideas for new products, but these four ought to keep us busy for the next year. But, you know, we see ourselves as being experimenters and explorers within the category. And, you know, again, so far, the customer feedback, the consumer feedback, the trade feedback is incredibly positive. I think that they feel fresh. They feel interesting and different. And, and when I and when I was developing each of these, you know, really, I, I wasn't thinking about it consciously, but I was developing something that was experiential from a consumer standpoint. You know, I was creating a blend that was meant for a mental state that I wanted to put myself in, or if I was in that mood, that's the one I would have. And so I, I think that's what's helped people understand what's behind the spirit and the thinking that went into it. And um, it's what's made it fun for us because like Martin has talked about, you know, there's a lot of commonalities in our both our backgrounds as well as our avocations and our passions. So it's it's interesting because when it when you guys started started talking about that and you were referencing the different brands and we were talking about the humor and I and I started getting some ideas in my head about you know what might be a really fun big movie, you know, like a in a in theater type of trailer with uh, you know, famous drinkers, you know, famous uh uh, characters like from Peaky Blinders, let's say, or, uh, you know, you have these, right. get these actors, get like, you know, you get these actors who, whose characters are all dead and they, they kind of come back to, to get this, to get this bourbon, which is cute. But where, where my mind went just now when you were talking was that it's the unbound spirit thing. It would be easy by default to think of if you're going to use any spirit other than just the drinking spirit, that the spirit would right. be like a ghosty kind of thing. But I think more it, you know, hearing you talk about the inspiration, I see it where you would do like a spirit. It's the spirit of the, of the drinker. In other words, their spirit as a, as a person, um, as a, as a passion, as a connoisseur. And then, you know, maybe all of their ancestors kind of are enjoying this through them. 
but it's right, very right. clearly their spirit, you know, which is not funny or anything like that. But it's it's fun for me to do this because I always feel like I I want to get to the essence of a of a brand and and see what really the story is, because for you guys, I think in fairness to to our listeners and to to uh, to anybody who's launching a brand, you know, you you have done this. And so it's a little it's a little easier this time around, I think. And every time you do something, you learn more. And I think this one is like a burst of um, of energy and inspiration that is born of uh, successes and histories all over the map of what you've done, filmmaking and branding and entrepreneurship and CEO and corporate and fitness, you know, and it's all this stuff coming together. All of the the brands, the labeling and all that actually are of another time. You know, it's like yeah. the turn of the last century, the turn of the century before that. And one of the things I remember reading a, a study a few years back that talked about the, the burgeoning world of X Games and why it was happening and why these people were doing crazy things and all this. And as they dove down into it and they started talking to the people who were involved, they basically pulled out of it that modern day life had become really pretty easy. Whereas 150 years ago, just going to the grocery store you might have gotten eaten by alligators, bears, who knows, highwaymen on the road robbing you. So we've kind of sought out adventures in the modern day world that can help touch our soul if we are inclined that way. And so that's kind of an overarching thing about where the, the various brands that we're putting together come from, because it's. You know, I look at myself as maybe sometimes having been born a century too late, or yeah. I'm fascinated by the history of the Arctic explorers and um, and all the things that I've been able to pull out of family files about my great grandfather and stuff. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of like, um, I don't know what you'd even call it, reincarnation stuff going on here. I mean, first of all, it's, it's 150 years ago. It was harder to buy milk, but probably it's gotten harder to set up your smartphone. I think it's, <laughs> I think it, yeah. every every iteration that comes out of a new smartphone is harder than it was centuries ago or last week. But yeah, no um, doubt. But I think we live in kind of I think we live in almost a a timeless timeline. You know, everything's relative to what was available at the time. And so our connections yeah. to our ancestors, to our family that we read about and didn't even necessarily know. I've become very, very much a believer in that kind of imprinting, you know, that's that stuff. You know, if your great grandfather was a was a mountain man, you know, you're going to have that in you. You know, you're going to have that in your soul, in your spirit, right. uh, you know. So what so. Unbound spirits aside, and I'm sure that's taking a lot of your time right now. What are you guys? What are you guys up to? I mean, literally, Carrie is packing up T-shirts to send out to our to our customers, wow. and, right. and right. I've been spending a lot of time online answering questions about when the product is going to be available. So that's about what our lives have become right now okay. because we're launching this brand. There's not a lot of time for anything else. You know, we we both have putting I mean, putting together swag and uh, you know making sure everything <laughs> yeah. works. So I'm basically like the Unbound Fulfillment Center. 
as well as the blender right. and, uh, barrel roller and, and um, i'm the it guy and, it, and the email guy and the web and the, i'm the webmaster and you know we're, it's kind of funny where we literally you know we're both pretty senior guys yet we have rolled up our sleeves and we're doing every little job from uh you know taste you know every, every little job you can imagine including uh, and, you know, and being, it goes back to the passion <laughs> side of it you know and then in the meantime, you know, we're, we are still doing our, our other gigs. Right. I've got a couple of commercial projects I finished and stuff I'm bidding. And then I've been working with a producer friend of mine to develop an absolutely awesome concept that that is based on him and his buddy's life when they were growing up and took place out on the East Coast. Like you said, we can't sit still. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, again, we have we have multiple things. The, the thing that kind of connects Carrie and I is we're both kind of creatives. I'm, I may be a corporate marketing guy, but I've always had one foot in the creative director camp, and I've always had to partner with a real creative director. And uh, in my other ventures as well, always partner, strangely enough, with uh, big-time creative directors. It's kind of weird. And, you know, just being partnered up with Carrie now feels pretty normal to me. And uh, even though my other ventures are, you know, in other categories, this, this feels really comfortable for us because we, yep. uh, we've got similar yet different backgrounds. We've got similar experiences. We know Madison Avenue, we know ad marketing, branding, and, uh, and we also have lots of non spirits experience to call on because you know, I, I, I firmly have always believed that people who just got one category specialties, they they kind of wind up being narrow thinkers. And I think that's where this unbound thing comes in is we're not bound by the typical industry standards because we've worked, right. you know, I've worked in automotive, Carrie's worked in automotive. I worked in music, as you know, you were my PR guy in the music category. I'm in the fitness business, lots of different categories. And you take learning from all of those categories that and, and apply yeah. it in what we're doing here it, it makes for i think a more creative approach to things uh, less less constrained more unbound i have i have one more question for you guys um i appreciate your time you've been really generous with your time and i know this is an exciting time and you're about ready to to let this thing loose but i i went on that list I think I'm pretty sure. And when do I get my when do when is it when do I get my uh, my order fulfilled? When is that happening? How soon does that happen? You know, put in a call <laughs> to the people. Um, I don't well, know. Uh, we'll move you to the head of the list right now, Hirsch. No, I don't want to cheat. Um, you know, no, there is no the boathouse. The boathouse is only about what three hours, so from you, right. so. That's right. I'm going to drive out there. I, I could drive out there if it weren't this snow crap that already started. Right, Carrie, right. I would just drive out, drive out to see you. Why not? It wouldn't be the first Green time. <laughs> well, right, actually, and I'm like right, but I'm I'm just outside of Milwaukee, so. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Carrie, you, 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 that's really a good idea. We've got to get Hirsch to the boathouse for some one of the yeah. early intros for the brand. I think that would be great, yeah. but. You know, Hirsch, to answer your question directly, we're expecting to start shipping to retail uh, in early December. Uh, we're, we're about a month behind schedule. Lots of challenges in, you know, the logistics 
chain sure. right now, but also getting approvals through the TTB is, seems to be taking longer. But we're pretty much ready to push the button, and our, we've got our distribution lined up for Wisconsin, and our fingers crossed for uh, finalizing both South Carolina and Minnesota this week, in which case we'll be in three states with a few online opportunities for people outside of those states to buy, and hopefully in time for Christmas presents for people. If you liked the show, yes, and it worked for you, yes, then. subscribe and leave a yes, five-star review, yes, tell all your friends, yes, get your branding here, yes, get your branding here, yes, did I make it clear, yes, get your branding on, yes, before they're gone, yes.